Welcome in, everybody, to this week's episode of the Sports Gospel Podcast. And just a quick reminder, because somebody asked me, why do you call it Sports Gospel? And I felt like they were intimating that there was some religious component. There's not a religious component. If you'd like to infer there is, that more power to you. But it's it's because everything we say here is so accurate and all of our predictions are so correct that it's basically gospel. So that's that's why I call it the Sports Gospel Podcast. Just a kind of a fun tongue-in-cheek making fun of ourselves for being wrong more often than we like to admit. But we are on episode 30. Uh, what, I don't know what the 30th anniversary is, wood or platinum or doilies, whatever it is. Happy to be to episode 30 this week. And it feels like we just got done with the NBA season, but 2021-2022 NBA season is upon us. So we are going to do our preview episode. Darren and Andrew here with you. And we're going to do this kind of conference by conference. We're going to talk about the East. We're going to talk about the West. And then some individual players to watch for and maybe give out some preseason awards. Well, let's let's jump right into this. And I'll, I'll go first here on the East. I see the East as four different tiers. And I think it starts with the Bucks and the Nets. I think that tier one, those two are far and away better than everybody else. And this is assuming that the Nets are healthy. I think that's the big thing here. Harden and KD seem to be ready to go. Kyrie, you don't really know, especially with the COVID situation and his uh, vaccine status. But they basically bring back everybody from last year, plus they added more veterans, the the ring chasing, the not quite as expendables level of the Lakers. But Paul Millsap, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, great to see him back. Patty Mills joining the fray here. But as long as Harden and KD are ready to go. I think the, the Nets are going to be the class of the East. And then the Bucks, they're the champions. To be the man, you got to beat the man. So they're the champions till somebody else dethrones them. So when you look at the top of the East, how does it look for you heading into the year? You know, you mentioned four tiers. I like that. I do think it's Nets and Bucks at the top. I think it's Bucks at the top. And you got to put them there because they're the defending champions. Uh, Giannis has looked looked like a generational player. Chris Middleton looks amazing. Uh, they'll get DiVincenzo back. Brooke Lopez is good on the inside defensively. I think the Bucks are the team to beat in the East. So specifically with that Kyrie situation that you're talking about, there's a prevailing thought that Kyrie could miss some time. Uh, and if that's the case, then um, the Bucks are going to be the class of the Eastern Conference. And yeah, you mentioned them bringing back basically everybody. I do want, I, be, I believe PJ Tucker is the only major piece they lost from last year. So I wonder, are they going to be at a loss without your kind of gritty defensive heart? I know that everybody on that team is pretty good defensively, but PJ Tucker seems to bring that extra edge to a team. I wonder if they will miss him at all or if they're, they're just so deep. And it's kind of like LeBron covers a lot of wounds. I think Giannis is to that point where he can cover up a lot of losses as well. That will be an interesting development to see how they're going to fill in the loss of P.J. Tucker. But also, P.J. Tucker didn't bring anything offensively. And remember, DiVincenzo was a starter for that team before he went down in the playoffs with an injury and wasn't able to return. And they still won the championship. What's it going to look like with a healthy year of DiVincenzo, George Hill? They've got him back. Um Connaughton is someone that they played. I'm not sure how much I trust Connaughton. We'll see what the Bucks are able to do around Giannis there, but you're right. Giannis covers up a lot of weaknesses and covers a lot of ground for that Bucks squad. So as long as you've got the best player in the NBA, um, you've got a chance. So, And after those two, my, my next tier – I call this my teams that could win a couple series. Wouldn't be shocked if one of these teams were to end up in the Eastern Conference final, but I think they're just a step behind those top two. And that's the Heat, the Hawks, and the Celtics. I would go in that order, three, four, five, but I think you could make a case for any one of them. The Heat, they've built such a great core there. And then you add, I believe we just mentioned P.J. Tucker going to that team as well. But Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero look to be studs for them. Jimmy Butler, we know what he can do. Bam out of bio, I think, is the future of this league in the middle. So I think the Heat are loaded. I'm buying into the Hawks. I was a little wishy-washy last year in the playoffs. But I think Trey Young's proven he can be the guy. And they've built that nice group around him with John Collins, Kevin Herter, those guys. 
So I, I'm, I'm believing in the Hawks. Can they take down a Bucks or a Nets? I don't think they're that good, but I think they're in that top half. And then the Celtics, you do have a first-year coach there, but I love Jason Tatum. I think Jalen Brown's a nice two. Marcus Smart knows his role. Again, I would still like to see more size in Boston. This has been my complaint for the last couple of years. I like Al Horford, but I think they need somebody young coming in behind him. But I think those three, four, and five are my next kind of tier within the Eastern Conference. I think the Hawks are that third team for me, and specifically because of the level that we saw Trey Young go to in last year's playoffs. And I like the squad around Trey Young, um, Capella on the inside, Bogdanovich, DeAndre Hunter on the wings, John Collins as well. Um, they'll bring back Cam Reddish, Danilo Gallinari off the bench scoring, Lou Williams off the bench as a playmaker and a scorer. I really like this Atlanta Hawks squad. I think um, they're a little bit better than the Heat, who uh, they lost Goran Dragic, who I think was a big playmaker off the bench for them. Tyler Hero was great in his rookie season, had a bit of a down year and a bit of an unexplainable uh, slump when a lot of people expected him to take another leap last year and he did not. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure what to think about Tyler hero. Obviously, obviously Duncan Robinson, great shooter. They got Kyle Lowry, but he's 35. They have Oladipo coming back, but oh, he's boy. had a lot of injury concerns. <laughs> um, it's, I'm not a big believer in the heat, but I think they're going to be um, probably the fourth team there in the East. You could talk me down to fifth. And the other team here I think is has got to be the Knicks. Um, they were a great defensive team last year, but they're getting Mitchell Robinson back from injury, who was a good defensive presence on the interior before he went down. Um, so – they have Kemba Walker as well. They grabbed Evan Fournier to provide some shooting on the outside. They've still got Derrick Rose. They had Julius Randle, who was in some circles in the MVP conversation, definitely the most improved player. Um, I think Thibodeau has really gotten the most out of this roster. I think that the Knicks are that fifth team. I've got the Celtics in this here below this, below this. In the, I have the Knicks and what would, be, what would be my third tier, and that's teams six through 12, where I could see any of these teams making a playoff push, getting those six, seven, or eight seeds, but I don't think any of them would advance beyond the first round, and that's where the Knicks are for me, probably right around that seven or eight, and there's so much to like about them, so many, so many pieces that I like with Thibodeau as the coach, love Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, I think has been a surprise for them, and I've been touting Obi Toppin all last two years and still waiting for him to break out. My thought with the Knicks is who is special? Who's your game breaker for this team? The Heat have Jimmy Butler. The Bucks have Giannis. The Nets have Harden or KD. Uh, Trey Young for the Hawks. Jason Tatum. I don't feel like the Knicks have that special all-NBA playmaker. Maybe Julius Randle becomes that. I would love to see it. Maybe Kemba Walker can find the fountain of youth. Maybe it has become R.J. Barrett. Maybe he takes that huge step forward this year. But that's my thing with the Knicks. They seem like a really good, solid team. But who's going to put them over the top and make them – who's going to be their real special player? And, and that's a fair question. I think it's a group effort. It's a, co a cohesive thing. I just like the fact that they're a more complete team than what the Celtics are. I mean, the Celtics have Tatum and Brown, who I think Tatum is really special and Brown is really good as a running mate to Tatum. But beyond that, I'm not, I'm not convinced. And I don't like the depth. I don't like their interior play at all. Um, I just think the Knicks are a more well-rounded team with a great coach and Tom Thibodeau. And that's why I put them in this tier over the Celtics. And if we were to round this out here with my top eight, I think, the Knicks would be in there. I'd ha actually have them at probably about the eighth seed. I think I'm going to go a little bit off the board here for who I have would basically be my six and seven seed. But the Pacers and, dare I say, the Cavaliers. I The Pacers bit me bad last year. I thought they were going to be a two or three seed team, and they underperformed. I don't know what the problem was. 
a lot of what we're hearing is the coaching, the coaches and the players did not mesh well at all and the players weren't buying into it. But it feels like they bring back basically everybody. As long as you have DeMontis Sabonis leading the way there, I believe Miles Turner coming back for the Pacers as well. So it seems like Indiana should have everything that you need to at least make the playoffs. So I'm going to, you know, shame out, you know, fool me once, fool me twice. We'll see if it happens again this year. And then the Cavaliers, I, I, I know it's a foolish choice, but they have so much young talent. And I think at least one or two of these guys are going to make the huge leap forward this year. Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Isaac Okoro, Jared Allen, and then you had Evan Mobley to that group as the rookie. One of these guys I think is really going to take a big step forward. I don't think they're going to hang with these top teams because they're still young and developing, but I think they're going to be in that seven and eight seed conversation. I may look very foolish in four months, but I'm willing to take the risk of looking like a genius here, picking them early. Would somebody please free Kevin Love from the Cavaliers, though? I know he has one of the most onerous contracts, but please somebody go save that man. Go go to the Nets, go to the Lakers, come back to Portland, do something. Let's As much as I like the Cavaliers, let's get Kevin Love out of there and get him to a more veteran, ready-to-win-now team. But those are those are kind of round out my top eight. We'll talk to the, talk about the teams I didn't have in there in a minute. Hmm. I, I'm not with you on that Cavaliers thing. I'm with you on getting Kevin Love out of there. I'd personally love to see him reunited with LeBron in LA. I think that'd be a good match for the Lakers there. Um, but I don't understand what the Cavs are really doing with this roster. Um, because you, you spend a pick on Evan Mobley, who I think is going to be a great player. That's a great pick, but you've already got Jared Allen. You've got Kevin Love, and then you go out and you get Lori Markinen too. Uh, all of a sudden, that front court is crowded, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I'm all four of those guys kind of operate in a similar space. Kevin Love can play on the perimeter a little bit, but you've got multiple guys that operate in a similar space, and I, I don't really like it. You mentioned Sexton. You mentioned Garland. Uh, there was a lot of rumor last year that guys don't like playing with Colin Sexton. And if, you, if you've watched him play, you can kind of understand why, because he thinks uh, it's Colin Sexton time every time down the court. I do like Okoro. I do like Chetty Osman as a rotational piece. I just don't think this team has, has the goods. They're going to be bottom feeding in the East. I've got them down in the lower tier. Um, I do like Indiana. I think they could be in this six, seven, eight, eight squad uh, tier, but they've been one of the teams that's been talked about in a Ben Simmons trade. Um, I'm not sure what they're going to possibly be sending back. Are they sending back Brogdon? Are they sending back Sabonis, Karis LeVert? Um, what are they sending back for Ben Simmons? How much are they spending to go get Ben Simmons on their team? And does it make sense with what they've got? Um, and then by that virtue, the Sixers, I mean, they've got Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons is technically on the roster still, but he's looking to get traded before the season. I still think that even without Ben Simmons, Depending on what they get back in a Simmons trade, the Sixers are going to be my my number six team, and I'll put the Celtics in seven, and then in, in eight, I'm going to go with the Charlotte Hornets. Um, I personally like Lamelo Ball, and I think that this is a really exciting and up and coming team. Um, they went and got James Booknight, who I think was an underrated draft pick for them. He can bring some scoring punch that they were really needing on the perimeter last year. Um, you've got Miles Bridges throwing down lobs from Lamelo. You've got Scary Terry who can light it up on the scoreboard. PJ Washington on the inside. I really like the roster that this uh, this Hornets team has gotten. You got Gordon Hayward, a little bit of a veteran presence there. Um, I just think this is a really good and well put together, super athletic roster. And I'm a big fan of LaMelo ball. I think he's going to take another step forward this year and play more. Um, they did lose Malik Monk and Devonte Graham provided some scoring punch and some depth on the wing there. Um, but I really like this, uh, the Charlotte Hornets roster. I think they're going to be an exciting team to watch 
and that's my my eight seed in the East. I, I think you need to pick one scary Terry. You can't have a scary Terry in each sport. Uh, I mean, he's self-proclaimed scary Terry. Um, how does I, Mr. McLaurin feel about that? I am not sure how Mr. McLaurin feels about that. Um, I call Terry McLaurin Terry McScorin. Um, so that's that's the distinction that I make there. And one of the things that I love about Charlotte while we're while we're on them is Terry Rogier, James Booknight. Those are kind of guys that bring just like an irrational confidence. Think J.R. Smith when he when he was in his prime, getting hot offensively. That's kind of what Terry Rogier reminds me of sometimes. Um, and Book Knight has that element to his game too. And you kind of need some of that. And it's the reason why I think they're a really intriguing up and coming team in the East there. So I have the Hornets and the Sixers along with a few other teams in my could flirt with the playoffs, but at the end of the day, I think come up a little short. And that's where I have the Bulls, the Hornets, the Sixers, and the Raptors. And as great as Joel Embiid is, I, I just feel like he's kind of doing a lot for this team, and I don't know that they have enough around him if they do lose Ben Simmons, which it looks like they will. And like you say, it depends what they get back. If they can bring, uh, bring back another all-star caliber player, then maybe they have a chance to sneak into the playoffs. But looking at the rest of this roster, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, Seth Curry, all nice pieces but I don't know that they put them over the top in what I think is a much improving Eastern Conference. I think you're looking at five teams here at the top that can all handle the Sixers in a seven-game series. So then you're kind of flirting with that bottom half. But I think just kind of the the chemistry issues and, and kind of not being on the same page here with the Sixers, I think that's going to inhibit them. I mean, kind of be a year off for them. And – the Hornets, I just, they're, they're young. I don't like the star power yet. I don't think LaMelo's there as much as I like Gordon Hayward. Some of these other guys, I do think you're right. Kind of feels like a gritty, you know, confident, cocky team, but like cocky in a good way. Uh, so I, I think the Hornets can be there in a couple of years. I just don't like them yet. And then the Raptors, I want to like the Raptors. I want them to do well. I like Pascal Siakam. I like Fred Van Bleed. Some of the pieces they have there just, they're kind of, to me, they're kind of like the Knicks. Who's your special guy? Who's going to be the guy to take over a game and make the difference for you, especially now life without Kyle Lowry. So those are my teams that are kind of in the, the playoff hunt, but on the outside looking in. And then we get to the, what are my bottom three, the Pistons, the Wizards, and the Magic. Uh, if you're a fan of these three, I think you probably get some tickets pretty cheap this season. All three of these teams, very young and rebuilding the Pistons. With Cade Cunningham, I think he's going to take a couple of years to really become a difference maker. The Wizards, poor Bradley Beal. Speaking of a guy who needs rescued, somebody go get Bradley Beal out of Washington. He's been tremendously loyal to that team, done everything he can. It's kind of like Matthew Stafford with the Lions going to the Rams this year. Somebody, the, the Jazz or the Lakers or the Bucks, somebody go make a massive trade and let Bradley Beal play on a contender. And then the Magic, who I really, really want to like. There's so many pieces to this Magic team. I love Jalen Suggs. I think he's going to be the star of this draft class. In three or four years, you look back, and I think he's going to be the stud. You have Terrence Ross, a veteran who I like, Wendell Carter, a young guy still developing, Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac. So they have these three huge guys in the middle, but we don't really know what any of them have. We kind of had high hopes for all of them. We've seen flashes, but who's going to break out there for them? So as much as I want the Magic to do well, want Bradley Beal to do well, I just I, – I don't see a lot of wins coming for any of these three teams this season. Yeah, I, I've got the magic in my last spot, and I, I think it's by quite a wide margin there. I think Suggs is a nice player. I like him. I like Wagner. Um, that's going to be a nice piece for them on the wing. Um and that's that's really it. When you're tuning into the Magic, you're really tuning in for those two uh, this year. Cole Anthony was a bit of a surprise last year. He was probably the Magic's best player. Mo Bamba, I think that's a failed experiment. Um, he's he's not going to really pan out. I'm I'm out on Mo Bamba. Um, so I think I think this is the worst roster probably in the NBA here. Um, the magic bringing up the rear there. Um, I think I'm a little bit higher on the wizards than you are. 
Um, I'm a little bit more down on the Raptors. I'm going to put the Raptors down mm-hmm. here in the bottom three. Um, it's I hard like to be lower on the Wizards than I are than I am. Oh, really? I am. I am not as low on the Wizards as you are. I like Bradley Beal. I like Roy Hachimura. Bertans is a shooter on the outside. They went and got Dinwiddie, who um, I thought was a good player for the Nets when he was there. Roy Hachimura took a step forward last year. I'm a little bit higher. This team isn't going to be in the playoffs, but they're going to be fighting for that. I think I've got the Cavs out of the playoffs. I've got the Bulls in that play-in that play-in tournament as my. Do we nine. still have that? Do we still have that play-in tournament? I thought we. I I I figured it was going to come back, but part of me hoped it was a one-year deal. No, we still we still got the play-in tournament. That's going to be a permanent thing, and uh, and I really kind of like it. Um, I've got the new look Bulls in. I don't like their depth personally. I think their starting lineup is good, um, but I'm not a big fan of the depth. What happens when injuries occur, if they do occur? You've got Caruso, Alex Caruso is your sixth man. Kobe White coming off the bench. And not much else. So I, I think they find a way to get all that done um, and get in the playoffs into the playing slot, but I'm not sure. And I think the, I think the wizards could possibly be there. Uh, the Pistons will be in that 11 spot, just on the outside looking in. I, I think Cade Cunningham is going to be a, a special player in this league. Um He's already going to be a good two-way player, a six-seven point guard, who I think is going to elevate some of the pieces around him. Uh, Sadiq Bay was a bit of a find for the Pistons last year. It, I'm not saying that the Pistons are going to be a good team, but you're going to get the impression watching them that they're building something with Cade Cunningham, Sadiq Bay. I liked Isaiah Stewart. What I saw out of him last year. As well, and then uh, of course, I think they got a steal in the second round this year. My man Luca Garza no, um, got a full contract. He's going to play a lot of minutes as a backup big man for them. He works hard. I'm going to tune in into way more Pistons games than any one person should, just because I love Luca Garza so much. Um, so we'll see. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, but I think you're going to see signs of that they're possibly building something in Detroit this year. Um, They got a lot of work to do. They need to get more star players around Cade Cunningham, but I think you're going to see that they've got some rotational pieces around him that makes sense for the future of what they're trying to build. And they also have Dwayne Casey, who I think is a, is a decent coach. Um, He's not a coach that's going to break through and uh, win you a championship, but I think he's a decent coach. So uh, that's my Eastern Conference rundown there. So, um, and I I do want to touch on the Bulls that you mentioned, mostly because I love Billy Donovan. I think he's one of the best coaches and probably one of the most underrated basketball coaches ever. When you look at how many coaches in college basketball have won multiple national titles, and the fact that he's just kind of a slow and steady cerebral coach, the way he builds things in the NBA, I think he's been underappreciated. And I will openly admit I'm not the NBA fan that you are, so the researching for this show, I was like, oh yeah, that guy's on that team now. The Bulls could not have told you that Lonzo, Alex Caruso, DeMar DeRozan were all on this team now. It's like, oh yeah, that guy's there. And then uh, Io Dosumu, uh, the rookie out of Illinois, who I really liked last year in college. I want to like this Bulls team. It's just, it's, I, I should know better by this point in time than to trust the Bulls, which I'm hoping Billy Donovan and the culture change really takes hold this year and they can fight for that eighth seed. I just don't know that they quite have the horses you know, is, is DeMar DeRozan a little bit over the hill? Have we seen the best of Zach Levine and Lonzo Ball? Uh, what does Vucevic bring in the middle? He's been very good and underappreciated, but can they really play team ball? I think they're going to be one of those teams that doesn't have a super breakout star. They're going to need to play really efficient team basketball to compete in the East. Well, and shooting is still a question mark for them because DeRozan's not a three-point threat. Uh, Levine is Vucevic is they're going to play the young man, Patrick Williams alongside 
those other four with Lonzo Ball, DeRozan, Levine, and Vucevic, um, we'll see how Williams developed. He had some good games last year. He looked like an exciting player for them. Uh, Lonzo Ball has, has shown signs of possibly shooting better. His shooting form looks a lot better than what it did, say, his rookie year. Um, I, I'm not sure how it's all going to kind of mesh. You mentioned Desumu. Um, Desumu brings a lot of, of talent, but he's very inefficient, which I guess is just kind of a microcosm of what I see out of a lot of the players that the Bulls have on this roster is they're very talented, but they're not very efficient in the way they do the things that they're best at. Um, so it's, it's not a roster that's built for the modern NBA where you've got a lot of, of shooting and spacing and all of those kinds of things around a superstar player. And you're right. Who is that one superstar player? It's why they're so low and they're going to be able to sneak in because the East, after you get past that bottom, that top five, I mean, you've just got a, a mess of teams that could finish anywhere from six to, to 12. So that's why I think the bulls and I think Billy Donovan is a good coach. And that's why I think the bulls are going to sneak in. And so to put a bow on the Eastern conference, who, if you had to pick it today, your NBA finals representative out of the East. I'm going to go with the bucks and it's, it's because of Giannis and because of the fact that they did it last year, they showed that they're capable of doing it. It's kind of, they got the Giannis got the monkey off his back. The narrative on him was, you know, he's a great player. I'm not sure if he's generationally good or not. He's got to win a championship. He's got something to prove. It's almost like uh, the weight has been lifted off his shoulders after winning that championship um, in very impressive fashion. And I think the titles could just start coming through the bucks. Um, I think Giannis is that type of player and he knows what it takes to get it done. Now it's tough to repeat, but I think this is a capable team. So I'm going to pick the Milwaukee bucks. And again, some of that is factored in because of the Kyrie uncertainty as well. And I, I want the Bucks to be the team, but as much as I cannot be a fan of this team, I think I'm going to go with the Nets. I think they're, they're healthy. They're getting it right. So as much as I hate to do it, I think I'm going to pick the Nets this year. I'm, I, I like the Bucks much, much more, but I think I got to go with the Nets. Seems to be everything's straightening out for this team. I mean, that's, those are the two two teams. So if you aren't picking the Bucks, you're picking the Nets, and it makes a whole lot of sense. But um, I can't I can't fault you for that pick. But it's not it's not what I see. And we will go over to the Western Conference, which I think is much more wide open, more than a two team race, and not as many tiers here. I think I have kind of a wide open top five with the Jazz, the Lakers, the Suns, the Nuggets, and the Clippers. I could be convinced any one of those five teams is going to win the West. I think most of them are better than everybody in the East, except for the Bucks and the Nets. I, I got to go with the expendables. That was my first pick. I have been drinking the Lakers Kool-Aid ever since LeBron got there. This over 40 club that he's put together. And I was going to look this up before the show. I was trying to do it quick while we're on the fly. Who has more former top five picks, the Nets or the Lakers? And I think I came up with five on the Nets. But on the Lakers, LeBron, AD, Dwight Howard, and Mello were all top five picks, correct? Correct. Because LeBron, AD, and Dwight were first overall, and Mello was like third or fourth, wasn't he? And then... Yeah, Mello was was just behind uh, Dirk Milicic. And then Russell... Was Russell Westbrook a top five pick, or was he like six or seven, I feel like? I think he was below top five, but barely. Um, okay. He was a, a more raw prospect, so he, he yeah. wasn't quite top five. But I, I get that it's a weird mesh. It seems like a weird fit. Those are strange names. Half of them are over the hill. But any team that has LeBron on it is going to get my pick at this point. 
I am, uh, if you've listened to the show at any point in the basketball conversation, I am a Russell Westbrook apologist. And I think if he's going to fall in line with anybody and play team ball, it's going to be for LeBron. You have veterans like Wayne Ellington, Trevor Ariza, been around, played for a million teams. They know their role. Ariza is going to be that hardcore, shut you down defense, take no BS guy. As much as I don't love Anthony Davis as much as everybody else, I think he's still one of the top five bigs in the league, a top 15 player. So with, with that core, and then you have young guys like Talon Horton Tucker. I think Malik Monk still has something to offer as a developing player. Yes, Mello and Dwight Howard are going to be old and who knows how injured they'll be compared to how much they play. As much as I like all five of these teams, for me, the Western Conference starts with the Lake Show. Yeah, and I'm with you. It's it's the Lake Show. Um, LeBron and AD are going to be healthy. You got Westbrook coming over. Yeah, I like some of the young pieces. I wish they could have kept Caruso on with this team. I think that would have taken this team to uh, a little bit better level because of they would have better depth. Um, so we could see them missing Caruso, but they've got Ariza, got Wayne Ellington here, Malik Monk. I think we'll offer some scoring. Kendrick Nunn as well. Rondo's back on the cheap. He was actually good for them in their title run a couple of years ago. So we'll see how Rondo blends back in there. It should be a pretty seamless transition for him. The Lakers are my top team. And I do agree with you. It's uh, it is kind of a top five, but I think we might differ on one of the five um, here. So let's just, let's just go down the list. We've got Lakers on the top. Who's your next team? I, I think I'm going to go with the Jazz. I am. I'm all in on this team. I'm. I think they're the real deal, top team in the conference last year. I think they bring back all the main pieces. Uh, a healthy Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, I think, has been a great influence on them. So I just, I really like the Utah Jazz. They're kind of the same thing that I have for the Jazz, the Suns, and the Nuggets, who are all non-traditional powers. But I think they've built a nice core. They each have a stud player. The Nuggets with Jokic, the Suns with Devin Booker and the Jazz with Donovan Mitchell. So I think they all have current or future stars on their rosters. And I think they're all going to be competing right in there. I would not be shocked if one of these teams has the better record at the end of the regular season and the Lakers and Clippers kind of save up for the postseason run. But as, as long as the Jazz have Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley leading the way, I like Bogdanovich, Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, all these role players that they keep in tow there. <coughs> Quinn Snyder, probably the most underrated coach, who I think is like the third longest tenured coach in the league now, as weird as that feels to say. But give me the Jazz as my two. Then I would go Suns as the three, Nuggets at four, and Clippers at five, because the Clippers don't try in the regular season. Well, I'm with you on the Jazz pick. Um, I, I really like that. And you're right. I wouldn't be shocked if the Jazz or the Nuggets... Uh, have a better record than the Lakers. Uh, a lot of people forget, you know, Jamal Murray was out most of last year, and Jamal Murray is a star in this league. Um, so I've got the Nuggets in my third slot. I like the Jazz for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. Defensively, they're good. Offensively, they shoot a ton of threes. They started doing that last year, shoot the most threes in the league. Uh, so Quinn Snyder's got them shooting a ton of threes, and, and I like it. Uh, they're going in. Uh, we've got the Nuggets, and they've got Aaron Gordon now. They brought Aaron Gordon back. Michael Porter Jr. has taken a big step forward. So you've got a nice core of Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and Nikola Jokic, and then Aaron Gordon as well, who can bring some, a defensive presence. And then you've got some young guys off the bench, like uh, like Amante Morris. Facundo Campazzo was um, a nice find for them last season. Uh, Austin Rivers is back to provide scoring off the bench. Will Barton. Um, I, I like what the Nuggets have depth-wise as well to go with a good starting lineup. So they're my third slot. And I think the Suns were a bit of an overachieving team last year. Um, Devin Booker is a star, but I'm not sure that he's reached superstar status quite yet. Um Chris Paul is another year older. We'll see how age affects Chris Paul. I like the pieces. I like Aiton. I like what he brings. Um, he's a lot. He's very similar 
to Gobert, uh, a little bit shorter than Gobert, a little bit more athletic, but brings a lot of the similar traits, the defensive presence, can throw down the lobs. I think there's another level that he can maybe go to with his offensive game that we haven't quite seen yet. That's what it would take to move the Suns into the top three for me. Um, So they're in my four spot. And in my five spot, I'm going to put the Dallas Mavericks. Um, I like Luka Doncic. I like what they have around Luka Doncic. I don't think it's good enough yet to win a title, but I think it's this team is built for a player like Luka. They've got shooting around him um, with Tim Hardaway Jr. and Kristaps Porzingis. So I really like um, I really like what they're building down there in Dallas. It feels like they're they're one piece away. They've got Reggie Bullock, who was a good shooter for the Knicks last year. It feels like Dallas is one piece away. I don't have the Clippers in my top five, and it's because of the Kawhi Leonard injury and the status of his injury, there's a possibility that Kawhi doesn't play this season. And I, I don't – I don't like that, and because of that, I can't put the Clippers in my top five. I don't think I can even put them in the sixth spot. Uh, I think I got to put them on down even further than that. So that's my top five. Uh, I'll let you explain who you've got just outside your top five. Well, it's not the Mavericks. I have the Mavericks outside of the playoff picture, which may be my biggest difference from everybody else. They bring in a new coach, which may be a good thing or bad thing. It sounds like Doncic and Porzingis didn't really get with Rick Carlisle's system there. Yes, Doncic is one of the 10 best players in the world. I don't like him as much as everybody else does. I think there's better guards in the league, and we'll get to that in a later segment. I like some of these pieces, especially Jalen Brunson, Tim Hardaway. But to me, they don't feel like a super deep team. And outside of Luka, I'm not sure that they have a, a game changer. When I look at the Suns, I'm like, okay, if I don't have Chris Paul, I've got Devin Booker. I've got DeAndre Ayton to go to. If I'm the Nuggets, if Jokic is having a bad night, I've got Aaron Gordon or Jamal Murray. I don't know that the Mavericks have that depth. I have them all the way down at nine. I I just don't see it. You know, new coach, do Porzingis and Doncic get along? That was another part of it is, is, is there kind of a, a Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid type situation there? So that's, that's my beef with the Mavericks just to round out my playoffs here quick on the West. I've got the Blazers, the Warriors, and I think my surprise team would be the Grizzlies, the Warriors. I don't like that. Clay's not quite back in a hundred percent, but if you have Steph Clay and Draymond, I think you just have enough talent to get into the playoffs. I don't think they're going to threaten right now. It kind of seems to be like Steph at full strength and everybody else kind of working their way back. Is James Wiseman going to be the real deal? It seems like he kind of had a slow year last year and, People thought maybe he was just drafted as a trade piece. Maybe that's the way they go. But if he comes along, they have a serious big man threat in the middle that they haven't had. So I think the Warriors get into the playoffs, but don't threaten anybody. The Blazers, just too many questions right now. If they keep that core of Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, and Yusuf Nurkic, then I think they're a playoff team. If Dame is discontented and wants to leave, if they there's a lot of talks around them with the Ben Simmons deal, would you get rid of CJ McCollum and Nurkic or in seems like a weird pairing to have Simmons and Lillard in the backcourt together? Who would, who would run the point? Who would be the two guard there? So to me, just a lot of questions with the Blazers and another situation with the rookie head coach. I'm always a little bit leery when you have first time head coaches, in this case, Chauncey Billups, who I think can be a great coach, but it is first year, too many questions there. And then the Grizzlies, which I'm, I'm all in on John Morant being the real deal, being a future star in this league, and this could be a huge step forward for him this year. A team that I think plays with a lot of heart, a lot of grit. You've got him, you've got Jaron Jackson Jr. They bring over Steven Adams, who I love as kind of a, a ominous threat in the middle. Nobody's going to go in the middle against Steven Adams, and if they do, they're going to take a beating if they do so. Uh, I would like to see more depth for the Grizzlies, but I think John Morant's going to play a lot of hero ball, and it's going to work well for him. The rest of the team just needs to develop around him and Jaron Jackson Jr., I think. And then I've got I've got the Mavs and the Pelicans just on the outside looking in there. Hmm. All right. Well, I, I'm much higher on the Mavericks than what you are. And I like the Warriors, actually, in my sixth spot. Um, we've got Steph Curry. Need I say more? I mean, Clay Thompson is back, but there's questions about his health. If he is able to remain healthy for 
the full season, they're going to be in this sixth spot. You mentioned Wiseman. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he got really a fair chance to show what he had. There is a little bit of an issue with Wiggins not being able to play home games because of his vaccine status. Um, they also drafted Jonathan Kaminga in the draft this year when I thought they could have gotten uh, Wagner from Orlando, which I thought would maybe have been a better fit for them. They also went and got a, uh, Oh man, they got it. They got had two, they had two high picks and I, I don't think they selected who I really expected. They went and got Kaminga and Moses Moody, who I think can be good players in the NBA, but they aren't quite ready. They're very young. It's a lot like the Wiseman experiment on a, on a lesser scale with both of those guys. So I'm not sure what those guys are bringing, but if they bring anything, this Warriors team is going to be in that sixth spot. Um, I'm going to put the Blazers in my seventh spot. I know there's a lot of questions with Chauncey Billups, but I mean, you just run it back with Dame Willard and CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic. People forget we saw this team in a conference finals. They were able to make a conference finals with that core. I'm not saying that they can do it again, but I I can't put this team below eight, below seven. So I've got the Warriors in my seven spot. And then in my my eight spot, I am going to go with that Grizzlies team that you talked about. Um, I really like what they're building there. Um, we'll see another leap from John Morant here. I like the pieces that they have around John Morant and then the addition of Steven Adams. I think this is a more well-rounded team than people realize. Uh, Brandon Clark will be back from injury. He is a key rotational piece for them. Jaron Jackson Jr. is kind of a running mate with John Morant. Uh, they went and drafted Zaire Williams out of Stanford, who I think has a lot of potential. We'll get to see some of that potential on display. They went and got Jarrett Culver as well, who I think can provide a little something off the bench as a nice two-way player. They got a lot of nice two-way players, and so it makes them a, a well-balanced team, both offensively and defensively, and so that's why they're in my eighth slot. I, I kind of figured you'd be in on the Pelicans. I thought you were going to be on the Zion hype train. I have them down at 9 and 10 because I think it's kind of uh, hitting the reset button for them this year, bringing in Willie Green as a new coach. I don't know how much they have around Zion. It feels like they kind of gutted everybody who weren't, wasn't going to work with him and kind of rebuilt the team and his image, which makes sense. He was better than I even expected. I wasn't as high on Zion coming out, but you look at the numbers last year and he was most assuredly one of the top 20 players in the league, if not an all NBA level player. I, I like Brandon Graham. So I like those two together, but the rest of the team, I'm not sure what they have, but I kind of expected you to be in on the Pelicans. And then another team that I always want to be in on, but they're going to break your heart every time. And that's the Kings. One of these years, I want the Kings to do well. I want the Kings to win. You look at the talent, you think, Oh my gosh, these guys are all high school McDonald's all Americans and college all-stars and all American players. And they get to the NBA and they never quite reach that top level. I like Buddy Heald. He's going to shoot out the lights and put up a million threes. But I think the Kings and Pelicans are right there for me with kind of the Mavs and the Grizzlies, that 8-12. to 12. I would be shocked to see any of them in the playoffs. I just don't think the rest of them can hang a full year like the Grizzlies can. You're, you're right. To your point about the Kings, uh, there's a lot of potential there. I'm not high on the Pelicans. I love Zion as a player. I like Brandon Ingram as a second option alongside Zion. Uh, but if you watch that team play, there was no semblance of defense on that team and they did nothing to fix that. So I can't have them in the playoffs at this point. So in my, in my ninth spot in that play in tournament there, we're going to put the Clippers in the ninth spot there. I think they're good enough to get there. I don't really like it. I, d I think they're going to play most of the year without Kyle Leonard. And so they're going to really underachieve. I'm not a big believer in Paul George. So, um, but he is going to be good enough to carry them kind of into that ninth spot there. I, I think I am going to put the Kings in my 10 spot there. They'll be in the playing game, the playing tournament. So they'll have to find their way into the actual playoffs. 
per se, but I think they'll be good enough to sneak into that 10 spot and get in there. So I, I like what they've got around De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heal, Therese Halliburton. I don't like what they have up front. And again, a question mark for them is defensively, how do they stop anybody? They have Tristan Thompson now that might provide a little bit of a veteran presence up front that can help them. But I'm not sure that I'm going to really count on them to do much once it comes uh, playoff time. And there's a team down here that I feel really bad about, and I feel like I should know better. And that's the San Antonio Spurs. I have them down at number 12 for me. It just feels so weird when you think about Greg Popovich and everything he's done. I don't know what the game plan has been for the Spurs, but I think that's probably the biggest no-name team in the league. You look at them and you're like, wait, who are these guys? Like, okay, Deontay Murray's kind of a name, but at least every other team maybe has somebody that the average fan could name. I don't know that there's a household name on the Spurs. So I, I don't get it. They would probably be closer to the bottom, but I just can't picture a Greg Popovich team really tanking and being you know, at the bottom of the bottom of the Western Conference. So it feels weird to me to have them this far out of the picture, but I don't know what excites you about the Spurs. And then at the bottom, I have the competition between the Wolves, the Thunder, and the Rockets. It seems like the Thunder are doing everything they can to get rid of everybody who's not shy, Gilgis Alexander, and build around him with 12 draft picks every year. The Rockets, another team that's rebuilding. I think the Wolves have talent. They actually seem to be trying, but they just never actually get over the hump. And we've learned enough from the uh, Timberwolves in the last 20 years that if Jimmy Butler or Kevin Durant or Kevin Durant, Kevin Garnett are not there, that it's going to be a long season in Minnesota. So those are kind of my bottom four, but I think the Spurs separate and those other three are going to be fighting for those lottery draft picks. Yeah. If we're looking at the team out of the playoffs, I got, I've got the Pelicans in that 11 spot, just not good enough to quite get in. So they'll be in the 11 spot. And then the 12 spot, I agree with you. Um, it's mainly a vote of confidence in Popovich and not really so much the guys on the roster. I think Popovich will kind of figure it out a little bit. They'll flash some potential as well, but there's a bit of a rebuilding going on there. And then in my uh, my 13 spot there, I, I like Minnesota over Oklahoma City and Houston. Then Oklahoma City will be in that 14 slot there. And then I think Houston is the, the bottom team in the West there. Um, Jalen Green is a very exciting player. I think they've got something in Jalen Green, but I uh, – the pieces around him don't really make sense yet. They're going to need more picks and they're going to need to build up. I think OKC has a little bit of a, a little bit more of a plan around Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, I kind of like Lou Dort. I kind of like Darius Baisley. Some of the things that I've seen out of those guys. Um, I think there's a little bit more of a plan. Um, Poku. Uh, Pokushevsky was showed some moments last year of being a rotational player that the Thunder can use. So I think there's a little more there in OKC than there is in Houston. Uh, Minnesota, you're right. I love Carl Anthony Towns. I wish he could be on a contender, but he's not, unfortunately. Anthony Edwards flashed a whole lot of potential, had a couple of 40-point games last year. Uh, so I, I think there will be some exciting moments, but that team isn't just a consistent winner. That's why I've got them down at 13th. I, I don't think I've played this game with you. I think I did this game or a similar variation with somebody else on a show. You're starting a team today. You can only have one guy. Who do you want? You can have Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, or Jamal Murray. Those three, hmm. I'll take, I'll take uh, Jamal Murray. Um, and I know that might be a little bit of a surprise, but I'll take Jamal Murray. And I think it's because he can he can lead a team, he can play the point, he can play off the ball. Um, he's a decent defender. He's a little bit undersized. He can go off for 50. He can get you that bucket when you need it. Um, you can say the same thing about the other two, but I think it's more just the ability to handle the ball, handle the offense, handle the full responsibility. I think 
I think Mitchell and Booker are more more off guards. Um, I love Donovan Mitchell. He'd probably be my next pick after, but I think I'd go Jamal Murray. I like it. All right. So the Western Conference, it may be fool's gold, but I think I've picked them like last three years, so I'm going to stick with it. I got to go with the Lakers. Yeah, I'm I'm with you as well. Um, I'm certainly not going to bet against a healthy Lakers team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, even if the pieces around them don't make sense. The one thing that I will say is I do think the Russell Westbrook thing could be an awkward fit because I like surrounding LeBron with an AD with shooters. Um, I think that's really what you need to do. And Russell Westbrook's not a shooter. What it will do though, that, that I think we'll get to see more of in the playoffs is it means that LeBron and AD aren't the only two playmakers, Russell Westbrook, Rajon Rondo. Those guys are guys that you can put the ball in their hands and they can make a play for somebody else. That's something that the Lakers were kind of missing a little bit when LeBron wasn't on the court and AD wasn't on the court, who was making plays. We'll see that. And I think that's kind of the reason why it's going to put the Lakers over the top is now they have multiple guys beyond LeBron that can go make a play for someone else. All right. So what's, what's your finals prediction? Lakers bucks. Um, and I will take, I will take the bucks in six. Nice. I'm I'm going to take old versus old. I've got Lakers and Nets, and I think the Lakers do it. One more championship for LeBron with with all of his retirement village buddies. You in know, seven, I, I wouldn't be disappointed with that. Um, I think Lakers-Nets would be a very interesting series. Uh, I just really want to see LeBron versus Giannis in the finals context. We've we haven't seen it yet. I want to see it this this upcoming season. Well, before we get out of here, we want to do some individual awards, and then I want to do one top five list. So we'll do rapid fire on these. Who is your MVP pick? Mm, I put some time into thinking about this. Giannis and LeBron are out because I think there's a lot of voter fatigue with both of those guys. Um, man, I I think hmm. Man, I, I really I really have a hard time pinning down an MVP. I'm gonna say this is the year. This is a guy you don't like, but I think this is the year that we're going to get a Luka Doncic MVP. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's going to carry that team to a five seed and he's going to be the one to do it. Maybe even carry them higher than that. Um, and he's had some impressive numbers and I think those numbers are going to remain impressive, but the team may have more success. And so along with team success and impressive numbers comes an MVP award. And I I think some of it too is because the Nets guys are going to take away from each other. Giannis and LeBron, I mentioned voter fatigue, AD uh, votes are possibly taken away from him by LeBron. So you got to rule out Harden and KD. And then who are you really left with beyond that? Jokic, are people going to want to get behind Jokic yet again? A guy like a Donovan Mitchell, if the Jazz have the best record? I mean, I think it's going to be a Luka MVP season. I've had enough of the MVP going to Europe, two years of Giannis and one year of Jokic. No more European MVPs. It comes back to America in the arms of Kevin Durant. If you cannot tell, I am very high on KD rebounding and the Nets this year. So give me Mr. Durant to bring home the MVP, his second of his career. Nice. If you want a dark horse candidate to bet on that's American, how about Trey Young? I think that'd be fun, but it feels like you kind of have to prove it. Like, I feel like Harden and Giannis had to have, okay, you've been good. You have to really earn it. You have to, like, get to the mountaintop and lose before we'll be like, okay, fine, now you get to join the club. Yeah, but if you're – I'm just saying solely for, for a betting nugget for our oh, folks okay. out there who like to bet – 
I, I would say that Trey Young's got some decently long odds on winning MVP. Go out there and bet on Trey Young to win MVP. Uh, I wouldn't put too much money on it, but that might be a fun one. And how about for a coach of the year? Hmm. Coach of the year. So uh, this this team, this award should really just be renamed to uh, coach that helped a team overachieve. Yes. <laughs> uh, this year. Um, man, how about let's go with uh, – Man. And this is the one I had trouble with because a lot of the young coaches and first year coaches, I'm not expecting a lot out of. And then the coaches who are there, it's like, oh, well, they are a team I expect to do well against. Are they going to get rewarded? I don't see a whole lot of coaches who are going to take a team from the cellar to the penthouse this year. Yeah. And and that is exactly what I'm, I'm having trouble with on this award. Um, I'm going to go. He's not, he took over midway last year for this team. He's going to enter his first season as the full head coach for this team. How about Nate McMillan down in Atlanta? That was going to uh, be my pick. Mm, I'm sorry just to steal yeah. your pick, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and take Nate McMillan. Yeah. And that's, that's what I, if he, if he keeps them playing as well as they did last year, I could see it kind of being like, a, Oh, had you been here all last year, you would have gotten this award. So just kind of a, He's getting last year's performance grandfathered into this year if they do the same. But for the sake of going somewhere different, I think I'm going to go for kind of a career achievement award for either Quinn Snyder at the Jazz or Michael Malone with the Nuggets. Neither one of those two have won. They're two of the longest tenured coaches. All they do is win every year. So maybe the NBA goes, ah, you had the number one record in a tough Western conference. You've, you've earned this for seven years of hard work. So if, if I can't pick Nate McMillan, give me Quinn Snyder or Mike Malone. I would really enjoy seeing uh, Quinn Snyder win it. I think uh, both of those guys, though, would be uh, very deserving. So I I think those are actually probably the top three uh, that most people will pick for a Coach of the Year award. And how about a Rookie of the Year? I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with uh, Cade Cunningham. I think his effect on Detroit uh, is going to be – Fairly significant. Uh, I believe I had them just outside the playoffs. I don't think they're going to hit that 10 spot to get in the play-in tournament. But it wouldn't surprise me if they somehow did, and Kate Cunningham would be the reason. So give me – I know it's a little bit vanilla, um, but give me number one overall, Kate Cunningham winning that Rookie of the Year award. I talked about this guy earlier. My rookie of the year is going to be Jalen Suggs. Nobody will pay attention to him down in Orlando, but I think he's going to have a fantastic rookie year. I think it could be a very wide open rookie of the year with Cunningham and Suggs and Mobley and Jalen Green. So I think a lot of options for rookie of this year. Rookie of the year, I don't think anybody's going to run away. Last year, Anthony Edwards seemed to have it locked up by the All-Star break. Yeah, I think it's you're right. It's those four guys. It's uh, One of those four is going to win it, uh, but I I would rank them Cade, Suggs, Green, Mobley. I think um, if you want to get if you want to get spicy on picking a rookie of the year, Mobley might be the pick. I see a whole lot of Chris Bosh in mm-hmm. Evan Mobley. Interesting. Uh, so I think that's kind of the future potential of Evan Mobley, and we're going to see. A lot of that this year, I don't think it's going to be good enough for the Cavs to make the playoffs, but um, Mobley, I think, is going to be a lot of surprise to a lot of people this year. And we're, we're going to do our top five here in a minute, but our last award, a breakout player of the year. Maybe somebody who hasn't been a casual fan, household name, but somebody's going to take a big step forward, maybe reach an all-star game for the first time. Hmm. For example, like I'm, I'm going John Collins on this one down with the Atlanta Hawks. I think he's going to grow to be the number two behind Trey Young, kind of be a, a running mate for him down there. So it's a, a hyper athletic power forward, maybe not the greatest shooter in the league, but I think can step out and drop a few here and there. So give me Mr. John Collins. I think he'll be on that fringe of the All Star game, maybe like that tenth, eleventh guy. Take a huge step forward this year, and then next year I think he'll be 
right in that top 30 conversation. So I'm going John Collins as my breakout player. I'm I'm going with uh I'm going with Anthony Edwards, a guy who won rookie of the year, but was inconsistent at times. I think he takes another leap forward and really vaults himself into another conversation. Give me Anthony Edwards. I think it becomes kind of an interesting 1A, 1B type scenario there in Minnesota between him and Carl Anthony Towns. So give me Anthony Edwards making a – another leap and perhaps being in that most improved player conversation. Cause that's really what the breakout player is every year is, is the most improved last year. It was Julius Randall. Give me Anthony Edwards this year. Nice pick. And we don't have a whole lot of time to get into this, but I wanted to gauge your opinion because I hear, I hear 20 players talked about as, Oh, he's a top five player in the league. So I wanted to get into our top five. And for me, there's three that are for sure. You can debate the order they're in, but KD, LeBron, and Giannis, to me, are surefire. Those are the top three players. I see validity in each one being number one. For me, it's Giannis at the moment, but it can change. I have Jokic as my number four. So I, I know not everybody agrees with me, but I think the diverse talent pool, he's for sure in there. And then for me, my number five spot is kind of a toss-up. I've got Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, and Kawhi Leonard. So I'm, I'm kind of torn. I can see arguments for anyone. I'm kind of leaning Steph as he's the greatest shooter ever. But if there's anybody playing right now who's on Steph's level as a shooter and a floor general and a guy who can carry a team on his back from the point guard, it's Damian Lillard. And then Kawhi Leonard, everybody talks about it. He's the best two-way player. I think Giannis and LeBron have something to say about that. But any one of those three guys can be an exceptional all-world talent on either end of the floor. So I I would go... KD one, LeBron, or sorry, Giannis one, LeBron two, KD three, Jokic four, Steph five, with my honorable mentions to Lillard and Kawhi. Interesting. Very, very interesting. I, I completely agree on the top three. Um, number four and five, I think, is where we're going to disagree a little bit. I do, I do love Nikola Jokic. Um, I think he's great. He's won an MVP. So, so maybe we do agree on our top four. I'll put, I'm willing to put Jokic in there at four, but number five, and uh, you're going to hate this because I've talked this guy up so much already. Saw this coming. Yeah. It's, it's Luka Doncic. Um, I thought he was top five last year. He's going to remain top five this year. There's, there's a possibility that we see next year, he's a more of top three. At some point, this is going to be a, a debate between Giannis and Luca. I think it's Giannis's league right now. So Giannis one, LeBron two, KD three, Jokic four, Donkic five. And then just on the outside looking in, I think you got to put Joel Embiid a guy who was in the MVP conversation last year as well. And then um, when he's fully healthy and the way he's firing on all cylinders, Steph Curry. So that's probably my six and seven. So I know it was a top five list, but I just gave you my top seven in order right there. We're, we're forgiving. And that was kind of the point I'm trying to make is I hear people talk about Anthony Davis as being one of the top five players. And I'm thinking, oh, maybe a top five big man. But I think there's there's so much talent in the league right now that when you've got even guys we didn't mention, you've got James Harden out there, Embiid you touched on, uh, Zion's going to be up there pretty soon. How does Jason Tatum develop? What if Paul George and Jimmy Butler have left in the tank? What about the guys we mentioned, Jamal Murray, Devin Booker, um, Donovan Mitchell? There's so much talent out there. Bradley Beal, all these guys we're not even mentioning. So the NBA is loaded. You go down through players one through twenty five, and they're all fantastic superstars so getting down to that top five is a herculean feat no matter who it is but it's just everybody everybody's a top five player so i figured we should finally uh put some official designations i i love it um and that list is just so fluid you're right because of all the talent that you mentioned and even gotta roll trey young into that conversation now um that's the only guy you didn't mention i think is you gotta roll trey young into that sometimes top five and 
Yeah, sometimes AD is the best player in the world, just not consistent enough to put him in my top five. We need we need to have like a, a bachelor for you, you know, bachelor type show with NBA players, and your final rose is going to be between Trey Young and Luca. You're going to have to make a choice. Well, I mean that that choice is easy. Uh, I'm picking. I'm taking Luca. There's just something about guys that play basketball named Luca that I like. All, all one of them. All two of them, no, Luka Doncic and Luka Garza. I was, I was really hoping that uh, the Mavs would take Luka Garza so we could get a Luka to Luka pick and pick and pop, pick and roll going on, but uh, alas, it did not happen. Sorry, it's okay. Well, thank you everybody for joining us for episode thirty of the Sports Gospel Podcast. We're here with you every Thursday night. Next week, we'll get back into some NFL and college football do some kind of mid-season college football awards. We've done baseball for a whole episode and basketball for a whole episode. So keep spicing things up here throughout the month of October. Thank you all for joining us. Have a good night.